Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. And then we'll take it higher. Sorry to the YouTube viewers who are only hearing me sing right now. but Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. For whatever reason, it's a Sterling Bennett favorite. Uh, and uh, you'll play this, this once. This is how you celebrate a number one seed, Mark. <laughs> didn't play it last week because we uh, when he's feeling a little <laughs> down, he, he doesn't play the Eddie Grant classic. I just eat a whole loaf of bread myself. <laughs> That's all I do. <laughs> on to Electric Avenue. And let it take it. Hi- Niners are the one seed. We can't get any higher now, Mark. Number one seed. This is as high as we can go. Oh, it feels so good. It, it does so feel good. good. Welcome back to Overtime here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. We've got an hour left here with you, and we want to hear from you. 888-957-9570. That's also the uh, Comcast Business text line uh, and the YouTube chat. Keeping an eye on that, as always, with you here on Overtime. Uh, Alexa, Pierce, uh, Drewski, shout out to all you YouTubers here Drewski? keeping up like with us. Drewski, the Drewski, not the Drewski. Uh, At least I don't, I don't think it's the. I Drewski. hope it's the Drewski. I think he spells it differently. This Drewski is a D R E W S K E E. So not too many E's, I think man. It's a different you almost Drewski. had me. You almost tricked me. Uh, but anyway, shout out to all the YouTubers. YouTube.com slash nine five seven the game again eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Uh, we've got more sound to get into. Fred Warner has talked. Brandon Ayuk has talked. We got a little bit more from Purdy to hear as well. Um, but Sterling, we're we're a couple hours in here to overtime, and we've kept our focus as much as we can on this game itself. But I mean, let's be real. This was a game the Niners were favored by 14 points. Uh, the Commanders um, 
are really only playing for pride at this point. They're likely going to fire Ron Rivera. Good, he stinks. That's disrespectful. No, 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 no. He's a bad coach. He had one good year. I Great person. Hope he remains healthy. I get it. Battle cancer. A cancer survivor. I want him to live. <laughs> but he's a bad coach. Like, they have new ownership. Move on. Restart. And they're going to. And they're going and, and to. And they should. All I'm saying is they have really nothing to play for. This was a game that the Niners yeah, should win by, like, as many points as they won by. Almost 20. They yeah. were favored by 14, and they ultimately end up winning this game by 17 points. So they covered what is what they were supposed to do, right? Yeah. Um, so my question to you becomes, is the Niners are now officially the number one seed in, in the NFC. <laughs> Even before this week, before the, the Cowboys beat the Lions but should have lost, and even before the Eagles lost to the Arizona Cardinals, it felt like the NFC, and even after what happened last week to the Niners, it felt like the NFC was like the Niners, a big gap, and then everybody else. Right. And I feel like that feeling is only like amplified this week after what has happened. Like The Lions were really competitive with the Cowboys. The Cowboys were at home where they're really good. Uh, the Cowboys won, but they should have lost. And the Eagles, just an absolute embarrassment uh, against the Cardinals. And they've now lost, <laughs> what, like three of four? No, four of five? I don't know. They lost to the Niners. They lost to the Cowboys. They Seattle. lost to the Seahawks. And now they lost to the Cardinals. They've lost four of their last five games. So my question to you, Sterling, and to all of the listeners, 888 what team in the NFC are you most fearful of? Are you most afraid of? Because it feels like the gap between the Niners and everybody else has never been wider. I feel like Niners fans' confidence, despite what happened on Christmas night, is at an all-time high. And part part of it is because, of course, your team is great. The Niners are very good. The most talented team in the NFL, probably. But it's also because everyone else in the NFC, eh, they don't look very good. It does feel like there is this kind of superiority complex, and rightfully so, where the NFC in San Francisco really, like, no one in the NFC should scare us. We've beaten, scored 42 against the Cowboys, scored 42 against the Eagles, and while we haven't played the Lions yet, we've also beaten Tampa Bay pretty poor, pretty badly. We've beaten Seattle twice so far this year. We've beaten the Rams once this year. Now, I know that you may think the Rams are the Whoa. one team that might scare San Francisco or might worry you come playoff time. And okay, like NFC West team, that playoff game then becomes a third divisional game. It's always tough to beat the same team three times this year. I get it, right? That was the big conversation against Seattle last year of like, well, you're playing a third team in a row. It's hard to do that. Um, now, and To be fair, that was a game. And the Niners were down yeah. in that game. And they ended up putting up, what, 40 points against yeah, Seattle? And ended up now, not being close at the end. Now, the Rams, I think, are a much better team than Seattle was last year and this year by a wide margin because they have a much better quarterback, better weapons, a better ground game. But I still think of any team in the NFC, I think it has to be Detroit. Hmm. Now, that kind of surprised me. And it's not because of Jared Goff, your favorite MVP dark horse candidate. I think their run defense has just, it's come alive. Aiden Hutchinson's having a great season. 
They're getting guys healthy again with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who him and Debo, I hope they play each other because <laughs> they don't like each other on Twitter or X. I just think their run defense, while, yes, you have Christian McCaffrey and that can change a game, certainly, I just think what they're able to do in stopping players like Tony Pollard and Kenneth Walker and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, like, there's just, like, it just makes your offense one-dimensional. And for a team like San Francisco, yes, Brock Purdy, MVP candidate, you should be able to beat the Lions' passing defense because it's so bad. Like, if Dak can do it, Purdy should be able to do it, right? But they should have beat the Cowboys last night, or at least tied them. Like, that should have been an overtime game, and I get Dan Campbell's risky, and that's the thing is, like, run defense is good, but Dan Campbell's a wild card, too. Fourth and six, you're going 45. We're going for it. We're going for it. And you're like, man, like, and the way our defense is played in certain weeks, it's like, ugh, like Jameer Gibbs, Montgomery, like, that team would scare me. Yeah, the other thing about the Lions, like in a playoff setting, do you trust them? Because I mean, this That's is a good point. Jared Goff has has been to the Super Bowl, but it's it's kind of similar in, in in the Jimmy Garoppolo like fashion, where it's like, okay, but were you the reason you went to the yeah. Super Bowl? Like, no, not really. That team was just great around you. Um, so, do you trust a young team whose best players have never been to the playoffs before, like Amon Ross, St. Brown, uh, David Montgomery? Did he ever get to the playoffs? Not with, no, not with the Bears. I don't think he's been. Well, was he there in the Trubisky against the Saints wild card year where he won the MVP? I don't think so. <laughs> he may have been. Or I don't he, remember. Or, or, or was he a 2020 draft pick? Maybe he was a rookie that year. What? Well, regardless, doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, uh, who else? I mean, Aiden Hutchinson on the defensive line is in his second year. Penny Sewell, one of the stars of the offensive line. Yeah. Go Ducks. Uh, he hasn't been to the to the postseason <laughs> at all. So maybe there's a part of you who's like, all right, you get him in the playoffs in a big environment. You're at home. Lights like, get too bright. Maybe, maybe that's what happens. But, I mean, I feel like the Lions are also in a situation where they kind of remind me a little bit, and it's nowhere near as, as dominant, uh, as – the Eagles from last year in the sense that they have a dominant offensive line. Like you could argue the best offensive line in the NFL. Ragnow, Decker. And Penny Sewell, who I already shouted out. Uh, And then you talked about the defensive line and how their ability to just shut down opposing rushing attacks. Like they control both lines of scrimmage in every game that they play. And in the postseason, that is a really scary and difficult thing to go up against. So, that wasn't going to be my answer coming into this conversation, but you might have convinced me, despite the fact that you know they are young and you might be able to rattle them in the postseason. Although I do feel like Dan Campbell and and the way that he coaches and the kind of guy he is, maybe his team is less susceptible to that sort of thing than other younger teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those those lines, offensive and defensive, they're legit. They're scary. So I know a lot of people dislike Dan Campbell. He's a meathead. He's a, he's a big knucklehead. <laughs> he gives me Liver King vibes. You know what that is? <laughs> yes. Like he just like eats like bull testicles and like oh I'm gonna go get jacked and take my steroids, have my ab implants, like living life just so incorrectly. That guy claimed <laughs> that he was clean, right? Yeah, that he like, wasn't well, on steroids. I'm a natty, yeah, like, brother. No chance. No, you're not. <laughs> Like, and I do like Dan Campbell. Like, I love Dan like, Campbell. He's the be- he's so awesome. Like that fits the NFL that I like, where it's just like he came from an era where is smash mouth football. He gonna knock your head off, and I do like that character within my NFL. Like 
The NFL needs somebody like Dan Campbell, and he has been so good for the Detroit Lions, the organization. Like, that move was heavily criticized. Like, when I heard it, I was like, who the heck? Like, former Saints player Dan Campbell? Like, that's who's the coach? And to their credit, like, they stuck by him. Like, they weren't good for a handful of years. Uh, trading Matthew Stafford away was like, what's going on? Like, now, in retrospect, they are the reason why we lost in the playoff game against the Rams. Yeah, so, thanks a lot, Detroit. Yeah, so so we do have some beef that maybe is unsaid, but it's there. Uh, but I just think that, like, the, the, the Lions have this almost, like, you know when, like, there's a, a person that has kind of dumb strength? Like, you have no idea how strong you actually are. Uh-huh. Like, you're not jacked. Like, you're just, like, a big, just kind of adult of a person, but you are so strong. That's kind of how the Lions are to me, where you're like, you don't really get how good you actually are. Like, you're feisty, but, like, you're kind of dumb strong. They're kind of dumb strong to me. Like, you're a big meathead, but you can cause some damage. Well, it's kind of like a young team that hasn't, like, fully realized their potential yet. Like, you can see it, like... They're couple, getting there. A couple years down the road, like you're going to be a legitimate force to be reckoned yeah. with. Yeah, it's kind of how the Jaguars were last year. Yeah, a little bit. But I feel a little bit more confident in the Lions than I did yeah. in the Jaguars last more year. More complete, but sure. Now that they did, <laughs> the Chargers chargered is what happened. <laughs> Can credit credit the Jaguars, but Man. I mean it was the Chargers charging. Yeah, yeah. Last year, what was it like, twenty-eight to three? Or no, not that was the. All I know is Evan Giddings cried, and I feel bad. Yeah, there's no chance he's listening to us right now, so we can we can get that out of the way. He'll podcast us. No, he won't. <laughs> I think he's down in Southern California still celebrating New Year's. I think he's back Tuesday? I don't know. We'll see. Tune in to Steining and Guru on Tuesday and find out if Evan's back or not. I think he will be. Pierce Evans in the YouTube chat says, not going to happen, but he would love a Cleveland and Detroit Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know if the NFL would, but that would be a really fun matchup. That would be as bad as this year's World Series. Like, probably better because the NFL always reigns supreme, but, like, a Joe Flacco-led Browns, just horrifying defense to play against against meathead Dan Campbell and his, his bull testicles he eats in the morning for breakfast for cereal. I'll just tell you, I mean, Dan Campbell, Super Bowl, like, media day and that whole oh, week leading up. Oh, the my God. He, drink, he would oh become a worldwide <laughs> sensation. Oh, man. Put him in front of a camera for a whole week. You know what the I The content like? that would come out of that, Sterling? I would love Ravens versus Lions if it is in San Francisco. That'd be really fun. If it is in San Francisco? No, like, if it was in San Francisco. Oh, if it was not. I would love Niners. it to be Ravens versus Lions. I see. You get John Harbaugh, the vet, Lamar Jackson, potential MVP, and you got Meathead Dan Campbell and that ferocious, feisty, young Lions defense out there doing some things. Be fun. That would be fun. Um, okay, so that's the case for the Lions. It's interesting that <laughs> we're not talking about the Eagles or the Cowboys at all. I mean, yeah. the the Cowboys. I want to, but the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are a fine football team. Now they have issues, big time issues. They're nowhere near as good away from home. Uh, and if they are to meet the Niners, we know it's going to be in Santa Clara. So it almost kind of immediately eliminates them. But also the Niners specifically just. Like, they have the soul of the Cowboys in their hand. Like, it feels like the Cowboys can't get over a mental block with the 49ers. So, for me, the Cowboys are not even on, like, my radar in terms of teams the Niners should fear. And then you think about the Eagles and, I mean, think about the 42-19 to win. Like, that's one thing. The Eagles have lost to the Seahawks. 
They've well, lost to the Cardinals? They lost to the Drew Locke Seahawks. They lost to the Drew Locke Seahawks, and they lost to the Cardinals. How do yeah. you explain that? Like, is is this a team that maybe you still say, all right, when they play their A game, maybe they're the second best team in the NFC? I'd agree maybe with Maybe you could still say that. But do you have any confidence that they're going to play their A game again? Like, they haven't played their A game well, in, like, a month and a half now. We'll take it further. And I think this kind of goes back to your point of why the Rams might be so dangerous. I think the Rams could beat the Cowboys. I think the Rams could beat the Eagles. I think when you look at who's actually the best, three best teams in the NFC, I think you have San Francisco being the number one, Detroit's number two, then you there, there's a real conversation for as now take your pick. hot as the Rams are now winning five of their last six, you could pick the Rams. And I think... Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Williams, McVay, like they could go into Philadelphia and put up 30 against Philadelphia. That offense quietly, I mean, not it's really great. that quietly. They got some weapons. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of like the Niners light in terms of their weapons. Yeah, Puka I mean, Nakua as a yeah. rookie wide receiver, setting rookie wide receiver records, rewriting the history books. We know that uh, Cooper Cup is one of the greatest receivers uh, in, in the NFL, and yeah. he's been in and out of the lineup again this year, but if he's healthy, I mean, that's an incredible one-two punch at receiver. Kyron Williams, who no one really knew about to begin the season, he's just a touchdown machine. Yeah. Like that, and you got Matthew Stafford, as you said, it probably a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like that is one of the best, like, foursome of offensive players in the NFL. It's a different system, but they remind me a lot of the Steelers circa 2016. Uh, A.J. Brown, or excuse yeah. me, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, like mm. they, they just have weapons everywhere now. And you got an old, aging Hall of Fame quarterback. Where, while Stafford's probably a little more mobile than Big Ben was at that point, <laughs> and probably has a healthier arm despite the injury he had last year, it just feels like, like the Rams may be the most dangerous team not locked into a top four seed in the NFC, including Philadelphia. They're the team that if you're the if you end up being the two seed, you end up being the three seed. If you're the Lions or whoever wins the NFC East, you hope you don't match up with the Rams in the first round. Like you do not want to see right. the Rams in the first round. But take it further. Like if you're San Francisco, let's say the cards fall where they do, and the Rams beat Philadelphia or beat the Cowboys, whoever it is, right? Are you too bummed to play the Rams? Like you're obviously going to get up for that game. It's a playoff game. You're playing the Rams for the third time this year. You have a chance to do to them what they did to you two years ago. Come to your place. They get hot late in the year, 2021. You're feeling yourself. Get yeah, in the playoffs. Maybe they they get into the playoffs or they help their seeding only by winning exactly. in your place week 18 like the Niners did two years and ago. And then you play them in the playoffs, knock them out, and go on to win the championship or go on to win the Super Bowl. Like, San Francisco and the Rams have so much history, especially Shanahan McVay's era here. Like, you go back even to mid-2000s, like, the Gore-Steven Jackson conversations were there. Of like, who's the best running back in the NFC? Yeah. Like, you go back even further, right? They're always tied together in some way. I feel like playing the Rams might be, in a way, the Niners' biggest test remaining if they get to the playoffs though like look at the AFC the only teams that worry me in the the AFC truly are 
the Ravens and the Browns. And I don't think the Browns, like, the Browns are skating by on Joe Flacco just not giving a you-know-what and throwing that thing in the double coverage, triple coverage, and good for him. They're about to dominate, like, end-of-season awards, by the way. As as they should. Joe Flacco is probably going to win comeback player of the year (laughs) for playing, like, the final six games Over DeMar Hamlin, who almost died. Maybe. Who did die for a little bit. But, like, I'm not scared. Like, I'm really not scared of Kansas City. I'm not really scared of Buffalo. I'm I'm scared of Buffalo. They they almost lost the Patriots today. Like, there's so many inconsistencies and so many what you'd want to call contenders this year. And San Francisco has theirs as well. Like, defensive line, run defense isn't that great. You're banged up in the secondary. The offense can't come from behind. Like, there are some questions to be had, but I just think San Francisco at their A game is so much better than everybody else maybe outside of the Ravens and Browns, that I think it really is a 3-4 team race for the Super Bowl, and three of those teams might be in the AFC. They might be. And I think the fact that this is even in a conversation that we can make an argument for the Lions, you can make an argument for the Rams, you know, neither of us had made the argument, but I would listen to arguments about the Eagles, less so about the Cowboys. But I, I would, I would consider those arguments, right? Like number I, three seed, no one cares about them. It's pretty crazy. I mean, the fact that <laughs> the fact that this is the way this conversation goes, um, I think you're right. It just it signals and it tells you that the NFC is the 49ers to lose. Yeah. I mean, we know this is the number one seed. If the Niners are not going to the Super Bowl, someone came into Santa Clara and beat them. Um, but it just feels like things are setting up for the 49ers not to have their way and not to have a cakewalk, but it just feels like, and this is something you said you know, earlier in the show, like things are breaking their way at the moment. And, I mean, things things went their way a little bit at the end of last season. The Vikings fell off, which allowed the Niners yeah. to sneak up to the two seed. Now, that ended up not really mattering because the Vikings got upset. Uh, anyway, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones <laughs> strikes again. Isaiah Hodgins. <laughs> but the, the, the Eagles lost a couple of games like because Jalen Hurts yeah. got hurt, but you Gardner weren't able Minshew. to catch them uh, for the number one seed, so you were the two seed. Things didn't totally break your way that year. And then, of course, you had the injuries in the postseason, and we know the whole deal. And not to mention last regular season was not kind to you, despite the fact that you were one of the better teams in the NFL. Uh, you, you lost multiple quarterbacks due to injuries. Yeah. Two years ago, you dealt with injuries to your quarterback as well, and you had to rattle off wins, a lot of them towards the end of the season, just to make the playoffs. Like, there's a different feeling. I mean, we just were on the air after a Week 17 win uh, against the Commanders on the road in D.C., and we can't help but think about the path to the Super Bowl. Like That's just how good this team is and how it feels like everything um, that you could hope to go their way injuries on their end is the one thing that they, they got to, you know, figure out and they got to get healthy, but everything else just seems to really be breaking their way at the moment. Well, also, take it even further than that, because, like, if you're San Francisco, you're sitting back here looking at it, and you have San Francisco number one seed, okay, bye week. As it stands today, it would be Tampa Bay versus Philadelphia. Now, I would like to think the Philadelphia Eagles win that game. But don't forget, Tampa Bay played them tough earlier this year. Now, again, I'd still pick Philadelphia, but that's not going to be a cakewalk for the Eagles. That would be in Tampa. Right. Then you have the Lions versus the Rams in Detroit. That can go either way. 
Then you have Dallas versus Seattle, and the way Dallas is playing, you might... I would not be shocked if, if Seattle wins that game. They just played in Dallas like a month ago, and, I mean, Dallas won, but Seattle was there step for step. DK Metcalf won crazy and in that game. Three touchdowns. And so, like, if that's the case, and let's say things fall your way, it would be Niners versus Seattle in San Francisco again. So Niners versus Seattle in San Francisco, in Santa Clara. Then it would be, let's say, the Rams win, and let's say the, the Bucks win. And it'd be Bucks versus Rams. Like, you're probably going to beat Seattle. Then you have Rams, Niners, NFC Championship game. <laughs> it's just an all-NFC West path to the and, Super Bowl for the 49ers. Is that what you're laying out? I mean, that yeah, like, and if you're <laughs> San Francisco, why wouldn't you want that? You've proven to be able to beat these teams over and over and over again. The only thing I think that, like, the only thing, and we'll have to go through after Week 17's over with, is that could the Rams go up or down in the seating? Yeah. How is it like, like, there is a chance that if Seattle wins today, I believe, and the Rams lose against us next weekend, they can swap places. Seattle has the head-to-head over the Rams. Right, so there's a way, there's a chance that it's Rams and Dallas if Dallas holds on to the two-seed. And if the Rams beat Dallas, we're playing the Rams in Levi Stadium <laughs> just three weeks away. There's a lot, lot of movement still to come, of course, in this NFL season. Uh, the Niners are the number one seed. That's what we know for sure. Everything else is up in the air. It seems likely that the Lions will be the three, but that's still not confirmed yet either. Still a lot to sort through here as the NFL regular season comes to a close in a week. All right, time for one final break here on Overtime. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with one final segment. We've got to hand out game balls at the end. Uh, Brock Purdy is likely not going to win MVP, but he did set a record today, a Niners franchise record, and the Niners team as a whole, also did something that very few other teams in the NFL have ever done. I'll tell you what that is coming up on the other side as overtime continues. One more segment next. It's Grandy and Sterling with you right here on 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Big pressure coming. Purdy looking for Ayuk. Oh, what a dime by Brock Purdy as Brandon Ayuk snatches it into the red zone of Washington. 38 yard in the bucket. 
I mean, you want to talk about beautiful throwing. This is immaculate. You just can't, you couldn't walk down there and hand it to him any better than that. And for all those people who say, hey, Brock Purdy is a game manager, I present that play right there. George, I can't even see you. I can't even look at you right now. <laughs> now back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, ditto. Adam Amin and Mark Schlereth calling a Brock Purdy dime down the right sidelines to Brandon Ayuk. That set up the Brandon Ayuk touchdown where Brock Purdy rolled to the right, found some extra time, and then fired back across his body after directing Ayuk into space and went for a touchdown. Uh, a brand, uh, pardon me, Brock Purdy was showing off on that drive, and that throw to Ayuk down the right sideline was just picture perfect. That was uh, from Fox, Adam Amin, and Mark Schlereth again. Uh, welcome back to Overtime here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. We've got a little more than 20 minutes left with you, so if you want to get in, uh, you can shoot us a text on the Comcast Business text line, 888-957-9570. And again, I'm keeping an eye on our YouTube chat, youtube.com slash 957 seven the game happy new year to everyone out there thanks for spending your new year's eve afternoon with us uh, also a shout out to isaac cox on our youtube chat isaac says uh, uh hope you're well i'm out in new jersey can i get a shout out happy new year yes you can isaac happy new year hope you're doing well does he know mitch mitch in new jersey does he know mitch i don't in know new jersey? isaac do you know mitch you better if so you got to give us a call because that will be wild we hear, we hear from Mitch every overtime. We love hearing from him. Uh, and you, you, Big Niner fan out there on the East Coast. Uh, and Isaac, maybe another one. Maybe? Yeah. So, Mark Schlereth said it was an immaculate throw. So, I have a nickname for it. Okay, give it to me. Can I call it the Immaculate Perception? Why Perception? Well, Brock Purdy, come on, man. you got to keep up with these things. Because of the perception of, of Brock Purdy? I'm just trying to make puns, man. We're trying to have a good time here. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't they think They have the that. immaculate reception. Yeah, I get that. Okay, the immaculate perception. I don't get how perception fits, that's all. It's just words, Mark. They mean nothing. We're just putting Purdy in front of something. And Purdy good. Perception, you, whatever it is. You want to know what does mean something? Uh-oh. Uh That Brock Purdy is the Niners single-season all-time passing yards leader. So what you're saying is he's the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> Maybe not quite. So what you're saying is he should be the MVP. That's Lamar Jackson. So what you're saying is he's a top five quarterback in the league right now. Yes. Oh, so what you're saying is is he's elite? I think so. Oh, oh yeah. that's the first time all year. That's the first time all year. It took till week 17. <laughs> I've been waiting for it. Mark but, Grandy with a C, not a K, mm-hmm. has finally said... Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback. I feel like I said this a few weeks ago. No, no, no. I've been sitting here for 17 weeks, doom and gloom, was on vacation at Disneyland, hurt my back, and was like, you know what helped me if Mark would call Brock Purdy an elite quarterback? And he, I'm healed. I'm healed. You're welcome. It's it's the immaculate Markception. I'm finally healed. <laughs> I like that one better. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, Brock Purdy, <laughs> more passing yards than any single season in Niners history. More than Steve Young, more than Joe Montana, more than Jeff Garcia. He stands alone uh, the most prolific passing season in Niners franchise history. Let that sink in. A second-year quarterback drafted with the last pick in the draft. My God. (laughs) 
this story is like imagine if this guy goes runs through the playoffs and gets to the Super Bowl and God forbid wins it. Like this is the craziest story in sports. It is so incredibly wild what this man is doing. And it's weird too because like he would technically be a bigger underdog than Tom Brady ever was. Yes. Tom Brady, Michigan, starting quarterback there, gets picked in the sixth round. I, I want to say pick f- 199. I forget. I want to say fifth, but I'm, Purdy I'm probably wrong. goes to Iowa, which is a fine school, nothing against it, and then gets picked dead last, albeit will be making more money than Tom Brady was. You were right, sixth his, round. Okay. Like, it's like this the story of Brock Purdy, we've seen so many other quarterbacks that aren't supposed to be there. Kurt Warner, bagging groceries, bang. Greatest show on turf, right? But, like, the Brock Purdy story just, like, Kurt Warner looks like a quarterback. <laughs> like, does that make sense? Like, he looks like he's got the square chin, he's a bigger guy. <laughs> Purdy's a smaller guy, J.C. Penny catalog. Like, it just seems like, like such an unexpected superstar, which makes for the best kind of superstar there is. Mm-hmm. Biggest underdog in maybe all the sports right now. Like, it's Brock Purdy, like, it's just awesome. Like, I know if you're a different fan base, you want to discredit him. You're like, oh, Brock Purdy, whatever. But, like, being a fan of this team in the Niners, like, I don't know how people dislike Brock Purdy still. He's a great guy. It's a great story. And he's playing great football. Yeah, and it's – the fact that this dude was Mr. Irrelevant, like – Everything is just icing on the cake at this point. Yet there's like this crazy, difficult, high standard that he gets held to. And I get it. He's the quarterback of a team that wants to win a Super Bowl. Like you will be held to a higher standard than, say, Bryce Young, even though Bryce Young was the first (laughs) overall pick because he's playing on an organization that has no direction, that has not a ton of talent, and that is just frankly really bad. Like it's a little bit different. Um, but also, like, expectations matter. And and the expectations for Brock Purdy was that he's probably not ever going to even see the field. He's probably not even going to make the team. Yeah, yeah. And now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He is quarterbacking one of the best teams in the NFL. And he is probably – I haven't looked today. I'm not sure it's been updated yet. Uh, he's certainly the odds-on favorite to win the NFC. I'm not sure if the Ravens jump the Niners to be the odds-on favorite to win it all, but he's one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, and he wasn't even expected to touch the football in a regular season game in his life. Like This is the most wild story that the NFL has seen in such a long time, uh, yet we still hold Brock Purdy to this incredibly high standard. It, it it's really not fair to the guy because of, of what he had to overcome to even get here in the first place. But you know what's crazy, though? It, it does feel like he holds himself he to does. that standard, too. He does. Where, yeah. When I mean, just point to last week, like how he reacted to the loss. Exactly. Like, even in that loss, when the world's falling down, you're not going to win, it's crumbling, you know we're going to lose this game. Brock Purdy goes to Shanahan and is like, hey, I, I, I want to play. And Shanahan's like, sit down. Like, we're not, we're not risking losing you. But like, but that's who Brock Purdy is. He's like, hey, like, I'm going to either sink or swim with the ship. Like, this is my team. And, and go back to when they cut Nate Sudfeld to keep him. That was guaranteed money. I said, what? What are we doing? Like, 
knowing not much about Brock Purdy, at least not thinking he can be this, right? Like, watching him in college, there were some glimpses of this. It was not, like, if he was doing this at Iowa, first-round pick. Like, instantly. Iowa State, come on, get it right. Uh, whatever. Cyclones, fine. Yeah, not the Hawkeyes. Sorry, George Kittle. Um, but, like, when they cut Nate Sudfeld to keep him, there was a collective, like, okay, what are we doing? <laughs> like, who who else are you bringing in? Yep. And then it, again, takes them, what, 13 weeks to get a chance to play, really, and it was almost like it was the best thing ever for this team. Like, I believe Shanahan had said, like, in practice, he, he was playing like the best quarterback on the field, even with Jimmy, even yep. with Trey out there, and Shanahan was like, we can't play him over these guys. We'll get fired. Yes. But in reality, they knew from the very beginning. That they felt this like kid, he might have been the best option, even though they knew they couldn't play him. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, the whole Trey Lance story, the whole Jimmy G's here, he's not like, there was so much in the way of Brock. It took so much to move that he swam through all that, fought through all that to become, at this moment, of those three quarterbacks, the best so far. And none of them likely are ever going to reach those career heights he already has. Yep, and uh, no quarterback in Niners franchise history has thrown for more yards in a single season than Brock Purdy. He did it in 16 games, by the way, which is also what Jeff Garcia, who previously held the record, did it in. So no asterisk here. He did not need the extra 17th game to get it done. Brock Purdy is the Niners' all-time single-season passing yards record holder. Some other history today for the 49ers, Sterling. Uh, George Kittle had an 18-yard catch in the second quarter. Uh, it put him over 1,000 scrimmage yards. It also okay. put him over 1,000 receiving yards. But I'm focusing here specifically on scrimmage yards. Uh, he joined McCaffrey, Ayuk, and Debo. There you go. Uh, all over 1,000 yards from scrimmage this season. Just the fourth time in NFL history that a team has had four players on the same team all go over 1,000 yards of sc- from scrimmage. The 1989 Washington, not Commanders, before they changed their name. The 1995 uh, Atlanta Falcons and the 2004 Colts. And now the 2023 49ers, the only teams in NFL history, Sterling, with four players over 1,000 yards from scrimmage in a single season. Wow. I mean, it's so weird to think that this offense, I think Niner fans believe in the offense more than the defense. And yes, I think I'm they have every you. right to, and I think I'm one of them, where this offense has not just so much weaponry, it's how they utilize it. Like, Kyle Juszczyk today is making plays. Getting first down. He should have had a touchdown today. Right, like, and that's what I mean is, like, guys, the fullbacks are making plays in the offense. Where in a league that doesn't utilize fullbacks outside of San Francisco and the Vikings and the Ravens, San Francisco has kind of made the fullback a position again, or kept it alive at least. Well, Ustick has, what, seven Pro Bowls in a row? He, he might be a Hall of Famer for all we know. <laughs> like, who knows? And so for them... It just it's hard to wrap your mind around just how good they are in the moment. Like you can look back at history, oh Jerry Rice, Montana, Young, like, oh, those were the all time greats. Like we are living watching an all time great offense. And it's hard to recognize that sometimes, but like when you sit back and think about it, like we're witnessing history. 
whether they win it or lose it all, like we're witnessing the greatest Niners offense in the last 35 years. And that's including teams that had Kaepernick at his prime, Anquan Bolden, Frank Gore, this team's greatest running back ever, Vernon Davis, arguably this organization's best tight end ever, Jeff Garcia, Owens, Rice, like this organization has the greatest player in NFL history, arguably the greatest quarterback in NFL history, has some of the greatest defensive players in the league. And right now, this offense, this team is playing better than all of them were collectively. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, In addition to George Kittle going over 1,000 yards from scrimmage, also over 1,000 yards receiving, joining Brandon Ayuk in the 1K club this year. Can you name the last Niners receiving duo to each have over 1,000 yards in a single season? Or, Or give me the year. Either the players or the year. See if you can. So, tight end and receivers combined? It could it could be a tight end, yes. My my heart wants to say it was Anquan and Vernon Davis. That's incorrect. Okay, so it must have been. Was it To and Jerry Rice? Like it was nineteen ninety eight. Okay, okay. To and Jerry Rice, the last <laughs> Niners receiving duo, just duo to have over a thousand receiving yards in a That's season crazy. until this year. George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel probably not going to do it now because right. he's likely not going to play at least not a lot. He would need a really good game week 18 to join them That's over a the thousand receiving yards. Who knows? Who knows if he even plays? <laughs> if he does play, he'll probably go off. That's what he does against the Rams. Um, but first pair of Niners players have over a thousand receiving yards in the same season since two of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Man. And it's it's funny because the way they utilize Kittle, it feels like it comes in spurts of like he's there for you know, a three touchdown game against Dallas. It like doesn't feel like he has a thousand yards this year. Then does there's it? nothing after that for like a month, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's oh, 125 yards and and two more touchdowns, and you're like, Kittle has had like seven good games, which could equate to a thousand yards, but it feels like he's kind of not been a factor in a lot of games. But it's like. 50 yards here, 60 yards there, 45 yards here, and it just adds up to, like, oh, like, he's an all-pro. Like, had Hawkinson not get not gotten hurt last week, maybe he's the best tight end in the entire league, but Kittle right now is playing, like, the best tight end in the entire league. He's been, he's been it's, great. It's Kittle Laporta right now. Two yeah. Iowa guys. Yeah. Would have been three. Would have been. And uh, Noah Fant. Seahawks uh, also, <laughs> he's not, not having an kids. okay year. <laughs> uh, the Seahawks, by the way, are down by 10 uh, with four minutes left. What are we doing? So it does not seem like the Seahawks are going to get a win, and that might potentially the keep them out of the postseason. You never the know. the Saints make the playoffs? It's going to come down to week 18. The Saints? What's wild is the Atlanta Falcons are still alive in the NFC South, despite the fact that they haven't won a game in what it feels like a month. Uh, they still might win that division. They need to win, and then they need Tampa to lose next week, and they win the division, which is crazy. Um, one more piece of history that the Niners made today. I was talking about yards from scrimmage, over 1,000. Yeah. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has doubled that. He's now over 2,000 yards from scrimmage this <laughs> season. He joins Eric Dickerson and Marshall Falk as the only players to do so on multiple franchises wow. in NFL history. And he's also the first 49er with over 2,000 scrimmage yards since Frank Gore in 2006. Frank Gore. Just a... <laughs> 
He's so tiny. <laughs> but he's just like a, But he's got his he's name in like every man. single record somewhere. Like the third what third most rushing yards of all time. Yeah. The this franchise leading rusher of all time. Well, he did a couple torn ACLs along the way in Miami and just somehow just got it a done. Machine. It was like a man. sixth round pick, a fifth round pick, wasn't he? Like he just He better be a Hall of Famer when his time comes. If he's not Hey, I'm Goodell, gonna, you can gonna, catch these hands, brother. I was just going to say, I'm going to throw hands. I'm going to take your M&Ms on, throw them on the ground <laughs> during the draft. Like you, This is what you get. Yeah, Frank Gore, a legend, and uh, Christian McCaffrey is has equaled him in terms of uh, scrimmage yards. 2,000, more than 2,000 now for Christian McCaffrey this season. Did not have a touchdown today, uh, so we still, what, two touchdowns away from Jerry Rice's single-season yeah. record? Probably not going to get it now because hurt, too. I would imagine he's not because he probably won't even play next week. So Jerry Rice's record stands is that the greatest at least for one more season. In Niners history? Oh, man, that's a difficult question. Probably. It's, it's probably the greatest trade in the Shanahan era, right? No doubt. Like, D, I, D maybe, Ford is up there. I mean, well, <laughs> all right. Jordan Willis is up there. <laughs> he he got the block punt uh, in the playoffs. You're right. Like, I just think about, like, impacting the team as a whole. Like, the Jimmy G trade for what it was, second-round pick, is going to be in that conversation quarterback I know it didn't end well here with him or whatever, but like he turned the franchise around. Right. Yeah. And then you have Chris McCaffrey, I think, is the next best one. Like the way he's propelled the offense just forward so much. But maybe I'm just forgetting. I, I won't blame my young brain for doing so, but like I can't think of a trade. Maybe out like yeah, it's just it's Chris McCaffrey. Like what other trade in Niners history has been this impactful this fast? That they're gonna have him under contract so to what, two thousand twenty five? Like he he's not going anywhere. <laughs> no. Fred Dean gets mentioned, Steve Young. Okay, but like they got Steve Young for relatively cheap if I'm That's a hell of a trade though. I mean you're, future it Hall is, of Fame quarterback is, won you a but Super like, Bowl. He was nothing when he came over. Like he really wasn't that good. That almost makes the trade better though. And and maybe it does. It's why the conversations that we're having it right now, because like McCaffrey was already established. It was going to cost you more. Whereas Steve Young was like, this guy has potential. Sit behind Montana. Which, like, again, maybe that makes the trade even better of, like, you're bringing this guy in, and all of a sudden you're like, Like, you identified oh something that <laughs> like, nobody else knew. Yeah. Yeah, and you maybe took advantage of it. Fred Dean gets mentioned, which perfectly should be in that conversation as well. Like, it just feels like maybe if McCaffrey isn't the best one of all time, it's certainly in that conversation for one of the greatest trades in franchise history. Yeah. At least the most impactful the past couple of seasons in NFL history. I'm, I'm with you, and it's, it allowed the offense to reach an entirely new level uh, that they've consistently been at since he uh, he joined the team. All right, few minutes left here on overtime on 95-7 The Game. It's Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. As always, uh, we're going to wrap things up with game balls. Uh, it's New Year's Eve. It's the holiday season. I'm in the giving mood, Sterling. So I'll allow you to pick the first game ball recipient. Who are you going with, Sterling? Mm-hmm. You know what? I'll give it to Elijah Mitchell. Okay, my I mortal like it. enemy, Elijah Mitchell. I, yeah, this this is big of you. We have beef, big time. Just stay healthy, brother. Because look, he looked good today. He did look. Chris McCaffrey gets hurt, calf injury. Maybe could have gone in. Shanahan said if there was a game, like a really important game next week, McCaffrey would certainly be doubtful, questionable all week. What he was able to do in relief of CMC 
give him a break, not risk further injury, help put this game away, put it on ice, 17 carries, 80 yards, almost 5 yards a pop, and score one touchdown. Uh, really, he really was kind of this team's lifeline late in the game. When you're trying to put it away, trying to waste some clock, Elijah Mitchell was the go-to guy. He gets the first game ball. Yeah, good pick. I really like that one. Uh, first touchdown of the season for Elijah Mitchell. Happy for him. He, he missed what the last four games, came back, and, and had a really nice day today. I'll stick with the offense. Uh, I'm going to go Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he was a little bit invisible on Christmas. We both called him out for it. He had a good fourth quarter. Um, but a lot of that wasn't quite garbage time, but it kind of was like garbage time. The Ravens kind of changed up their scheme there towards the end. Um, but Ayuk bounced back in a huge way today. Seven catches for 114 yards and a touchdown. Had that 38-yard streak down the right sideline. It was a great throw by Purdy, but also a really nice catch by Ayuk with the defender draped all over him. Had the wherewithal to find the open space in the back of the end zone. I know Purdy was helping him out and pointing him open and telling him where to run. Uh, but he managed to escape from the defense and, and caught the, the pass in the end zone for a touchdown. Seven for 114 and a touchdown. Ayuk, with every performance like that, he's uh, making himself an awful lot of money this offseason or next, whenever it does happen, if it's with the Niners or not. Certainly hope it is with the Niners. Uh, but Ayuk was really good again today. Seven for 114 and the touchdown. He gets a game ball from me. I'll go back to Old Faithful. No, it's not Brock Purdy. Uh-oh. It's Charvarius Mooney Ward. Another interception. The commanders are marching downfield. Your offense hasn't scored in a while. It just feels like, look, this game's in the balance. It's 10-20. to 20. If they score, it makes it a three-point game. You have to stop them. Mooney Ward steps in front of the pass, gets picked off, gets his fifth interception this year. Has the pass deflection, I believe, later in the game as well, maybe earlier. But either way, gets another pass deflection. I believe he still leads the NFL in those this season. Uh, Mooney Ward has just been locked down as of recently. Like, he's just been the guy. Uh, maybe outside of the Ravens game, which... Is that a one-game fluke for the defense? We'll obviously see. Certainly felt like a one-game fluke for Brock Purdy today. Uh, but I want to give it to Mooney Ward... He deserves credit. Uh, didn't get the INT against the Vikings uh, when they were in the losing streak on the zero blitz. He certainly picked that back up. <laughs> I believe he has three picks in the last three games. He does. Including one pick six. So when you're getting takeaways, giving this high-powered offense the ball back, only good things can happen. Mooney Ward gets that second game ball. Yeah, good pick. All right, last one for me. Um, I guess I'll just go with the quarterback because he deserves a shout-out. 22 Sam for 28. Howell? The other quarterback. Sam Donald? Sam Darnold did get in, did not complete a pass. (laughs) Sam Darnold, his stats today officially, two carries for negative two yards uh, with a couple of kneel downs. But, no, I'm going uh, Brock Purdy here for the final game ball. 22 for 28, 230 and two touchdowns. Did not turn the ball over a quarterback rating of 124.7. He bounced back from uh, his worst uh, performance of his professional career. He turned the ball over four times on Christmas night against a really good Ravens defense. Uh, was very good today. It was a little bit more workmanlike. It wasn't as flashy. There wasn't a ton of really big plays for the Niners offense. Um, but when Purdy needed a big throw here and there, he made it. Uh, he was really good today. Uh, he he was. Uh, he didn't necessarily carry the offense like he has in past games. Uh, but good to see him just absolutely under control, putting the ball where it was supposed to go nearly every single time. Very efficient, under control. 
uh, he, w- he was good today. 22 for 28, 230 yards, two touchdowns, and again, took care of the ball, did not turn it over. Really the only way, Serling, I thought the Commanders were going to have a chance in this game was if they forced a bunch of turnovers. So for Brock Purdy, uh, the message was simple, take care of the ball and you're not losing, and the Niners did not lose. Uh, and to add on to that for San Francisco, the Eagles lost. The Cardinals upset them in Philadelphia as a result. With the Niners win and the Eagles lost, the 49ers are now the number one seed in the NFC. And Sterling, when we're doing overtime next week after the game against the Rams, it's not really going to matter that much because the Niners win or lose are the one seed. Don't say that. It'll matter. You want to know why? Why? Because Sam Donald is going to (laughs) take it to that Rams cheesed up, sliced up, about to get run through by the Red Rifle Juniors. I'm looking forward to it. That's coming up on Sunday, 1 o'clock, Niners and Rams. Is it 1 o'clock? They haven't put a time together for it yet. Oh, is it? It's up in the air. It's in flux. I guess they're trying to figure out like postseason implications. and This game might mean something. They'll stack stack the games that matter, like – the Niners need to win, but the Eagles need to win. Like yeah. if, if that was the case, they, they want those games being played at the same time. That's what the NBA does. Yeah. So I guess you're right. I jumped the gun. Yeah. We don't you're know. Getting too ahead of yourself. We don't even know if it's going to be 1 it's o'clock. Not even I'm not even sure if we know yet. it's going to be on Sunday yet. Do we know that? Let's put it on Tuesday for a while. It doesn't matter to me. I think there's a chance it, it could be a, a game on, on Saturday. Saturday. Game? I don't think so. I think Sunday is is way more likely. But what we'll figure it out. Football. Whenever it is, when the game ends, you know where to go. You come to 95-7 the game for overtime. It'll be myself and Sterling with that game as always. But until then, we'll talk to you next time for Sterling Bennett, for Chris O'Connell, who got us all these pieces of sound post-game. Thanks so much. Shout-out to Chris. Thanks to all of you for tuning in all afternoon long. The Niners victorious over the Commanders. They're the number one seed in the NFC. Go crazy, Niner fans. Go crazy. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Mark Randy. We'll talk to you next time here on 95.7 The Game. I bet you folks are glad to be done with your shopping. Hopefully, all your gifts went well. But there's one last store to visit, this time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.